0: Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured, not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write.
1: Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, deputy opinion editor.
0: And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're gonna bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. This Day in History Class is a production of iHeartRadio.
1: Hello and welcome to This Day in History Class, a show that shines a light on the lesser known stories of everyday history. I'm Gabe Lusier, and today, we're talking about Joshua Norton a San Francisco icon, and the first self-proclaimed emperor of the United States. The day was September 17, 1859. A failed Gold Rush-era businessman named Joshua Norton visited the offices of the San Francisco Bulletin he gave the editor a short notice to be published in that day's paper, and it began as follows. At the peremptory request of a large majority of the citizens of these United States, I, Joshua Norton of San Francisco, California, declare and proclaim myself Emperor of these United States. Now, not much is known about Norton's early life before his time as a self-proclaimed emperor, but what we do know is he was born around 1818 to a Jewish family of merchants in present-day London. When he was two, his family moved to South Africa, where his father established a successful ship supply business. Norton tried to get into the family business himself, But his own ship supply company wound up going bankrupt after less than two years. By the time he was 30 years old, both of his parents and two of his siblings had died. So one year later, in 1849, Norton left South Africa for good and made his way to San Francisco. Like many aspiring businessmen of his day, Norton had traveled to California hoping to capitalize on the recent gold rush. After receiving his inheritance, he was worth about $40,000, which is well over a million dollars in today's money. In San Francisco, he invested that money in real estate, including waterfront property. He also started a successful commodities business, selling staple foods like rice and flour. By 1852, Norton had turned his $40,000 investment into a quarter-million-dollar fortune. He was now one of the most influential and respected citizens of the city. But in a boom-and-bust town like Gold Rush-era San Francisco, what goes up will certainly come down, and often sooner than you'd expect. In Norton's case, his fall came when he tried to corner the rice market in 1852. China was dealing with a rice famine that year, and as a result, the price of the grain was expected to skyrocket. Seeing an opportunity, Norton bought a $25,000 stake in Peruvian rice. But unfortunately for him, so did every other speculator. When shipload after shipload of Peruvian rice began arriving in the ports, the price plummeted. At that point, Norton probably should have cut his losses and moved on, but instead, he sued the man who had tipped him off about the Peruvian rice scheme. The ensuing court case dragged on for four years. By the time the California Supreme Court finally ruled against him, Norton was bankrupt. For a second time. News of his financial ruin spread, and just as quickly, Norton lost his social standing. He moved out of his big house and disappeared from the public eye entirely for the next year or two. When he re-emerged, it was on that fateful day in September 1859, when at age 41, he dubbed himself Emperor of the United States. It's worth noting that there's no record of Norton's mental health either before or after his bankruptcy. Some historians speculate that becoming Emperor Norton was a way for him to cope with the depression he felt over his money troubles. Still, it's possible that he simply grew tired of life as a serious-minded businessman and decided instead to reinvent himself as an eccentric. Whatever his motivation, readers were charmed by the idea of a zany, self-appointed emperor. In the hope of boosting their readership, local papers started soliciting Norton to write new proclamations. And when even those weren't enough, they would make up their own fake decrees under his name. Things continued like this for the next 20 years, with Norton issuing proclamations on everything from banning presidential elections to complaining about a skating rink operator who refused to lend him a pair of skates. Some of his decrees were surprisingly local-minded for a national emperor, like the time he imposed a $25 fine, about $500 today, on anyone who abbreviated the city's name to Frisco. His most famous and prescient proclamation, though, was the one he made calling for the construction of a new bridge between Oakland and San Francisco. The city would eventually adopt this idea in the 1930s when it built the Bay Bridge, in the exact spot where Norton suggested. Norton also started dressing as the emperor he claimed to be. During the Civil War, he would alternate between either a blue or gray military jacket in order to maintain his imperial neutrality. After the war, he stuck with the winning team and wore a blue officer's jacket with big gold epaulettes on the shoulders. For headwear, the emperor switched between a small military cap and a beaver fur top hat for more formal occasions. Although his made-up title did not come with a salary, the people of San Francisco made sure Norton was provided for, Theater owners reserved him a seat on opening nights, train and ferry companies let him ride for free, and some restaurants comped his meals in exchange for his royal seal of approval. Norton still didn't have much money, but thanks to the quote-unquote taxes paid by some of his generous subjects, the imperial treasury always held enough to pay for his rented room, which cost about 50 cents a night. Over time, Norton learned to distinguish between those in the city who were in on his joke and those who thought he was one. For example, in 1870, Norton shunned the newspapers that ran phony proclamations under his name. Instead, he began publishing most of his real proclamations in an abolitionist weekly called the Pacific Appeal, which was owned and operated by African Americans. Much of his work for the Pacific Appeal was progressive for its time. He called for black children to have the right to attend public schools and ride public streetcars. He chastised law enforcement for its unfair treatment of Chinese immigrants. And he argued in support of Native American rights. Beyond his writing, Norton would spend most days playing chess and reading in libraries, or taking long walks through his city. It was during one of these walks on January 8, 1880, that Joshua Norton collapsed on the street and died from a suspected stroke. Dozens of newspapers across the country reported on his passing, and about 10,000 people attended his funeral a few days later. He was buried in a rosewood casket donated by a group of local businessmen. Today, San Francisco still holds Emperor Norton in high regard. He's become a symbol of the city's counterculture roots. And as a promoter of fairness and tolerance, and a bit of a weirdo, many locals still consider him the perfect embodiment of the spirit of San Francisco. I'm Gabe Luzier, and hopefully you now know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. If you have any proclamations of your own to make, you can send them to me at thisday at iheartmedia.com. Thanks, as always, to Chandler Mays for producing the show, and thank you for listening. I'll see you back here again tomorrow for another day in history class.
0: into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. This is it, we've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen.